Hello, Marvelites! You're listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 628. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. H&M. And I'm Angelique Roche! Yeah, uh, we, we gave everyone the gift of the rain sink last week. And then you took it away, though. I know. I, I mean, know. I'm happy you're back, don't get me wrong. Said I wasn't there for Lorraine's uh, first episode back. Um, she will be back again. But uh, this is a big, fun week. We got lots of stuff going on because this is the official Marvel podcast where we get to talk about all the things happening this week in Marvel, including games, comics, movies, TV, and more. Angelique, what do we got going on? Uh, this week, we are talking to multi-award winning composer Natalie Holt about Marvel Studios' Loki Season 2 specifically talking about the music composition of the show mm-hmm. um, on Marvel Studios' Loki Season 2, because, whoo, what a season. Indeed. Uh, but we also are in the midst of another big MCU moment because Marvel Studios' The Marvels is only one week away. Very exciting, and it's only in theaters November 10th. Get your tickets now. And also, of course, Angelique, I know you appreciate this. If you want to get your Carol, Kamala, and Monica fix, you could go to the comics. Obviously, Captain Marvel number one that's mm-hmm. out. Uh, but also, you could go on to Marvel Unlimited and check out all of the other stories. Um, in particular, Ryan, you know, Monica Rambeau has been around since October 1982. Like, um, <laughs> It's still her birthday month. I'm just saying. Uh, as we record, well, yes, it is. As we yes. record, it's still her birthday month. But when you hear this, you can say happy belated birthday. Of course, of course. To Monica Rambeau. Yeah. Um, tons of stuff on Marvel Unlimited. There's really great Infinity Comics adaptations that we just put up within the last week or so of some it's Marvel comics, some Captain Marvel comics. All those are great. And if you don't know where to start for these characters, there's so many reading lists. There's so much cool stuff up there. And we're going to have more on all this as we go forward. I mean... It is the good stuff. We're going to talk more about the Marvels uh, next week and the coming weeks, um, but no spoilers now. No, no. Uh, But uh, something has spoiled, and that would be (laughs) the unstoppable zombie juggernaut. He is here with undeadly force in Marvel Strike Force. I know it's past Halloween. I do not care. Halloween is my favorite holiday, and I will say that it is Halloween until it is Thanksgiving, unapologetically. Every day could be Halloween, if you believe. If you... Okay, we don't have the rights to that song, but you know, uh, I do believe, and I believe that it is time for a second zombie invasion. The undead are closing in with the unstoppable undead event and a brand new undead ally. I'm sorry, I just cannot imagine having a zombie juggernaut. Makes me so happy. As part of your squad. Like, I just so... Bonkers. Yeah, it's it's cool. Um, yeah, the, you want to make sure you're doing the unstoppable undead event. Um, that's how you get the juggernaut zombie shards. Um, you can just keep using the character, which is which is really fun. Um, but you really want to do it now. There's a whole bunch of stuff in there. We've got a, a news story on Marvel.com to uh, to help you learn about recruiting, powering up this ghoulish version of. Kane Marco. Um, of course, Marvel Strike Force is available to play and download on your mobile device of choice. Behold, mutant revelation. 
coming this March. X-Men Forever! That's my little dramatic way to announce that, yeah, we got a new X-Men book by writer Kieran Gillen and artist Luca Maresca. They're teaming up for X-Men Forever, a four-issue series beginning in March built upon some big developments that are currently unfolding in the pages of Immortal X-Men, as well as um, a whole bunch of stuff that X-Men Forever is going to do to maybe shed some extra insight into the events of Fall of the House of X and Rise of the Powers of Ten. The book will touch on the quest for Dominion, which has been a big thing since um, Hoxpox a couple years back. Uh, it's going to touch on the interpersonal conflicts of the Quiet Council. Drama! The Escape from the White Hot Room. Hope you all are uh, all about that, reading the current Jean Grey series and more. Uh, and of course, the divine intervention of the Phoenix. Now, you can get some more details, some more teases, as well as a look at Mark Brooks's gorgeous and honestly kind of disturbing cover featuring Jean Grey and the Phoenix over on Marvel.com. We're moving right on to Marvel Move, Ryan. Moving right along to uh, the this week, we are launching our next new series in Marvel Move, which is our fitness Marvel audio storytelling experience. Uh, it is the launch of our Doctor Strange and Scarlet Witch series. It's called In Dreams. The first episode is called The Royal Sword. It's a twisty, weird story in which you're stuck as as the series title says, in dreams. <laughs> We've got some fun Easter eggs, um, but there's there's lots of cool mystery stuff in here. We've got a, a neat antagonist, um, some mystery characters that show up, and mostly you're stuck with uh, Stephen Strange, the big uh, dingus that he is. I love him, but, you know, he's, ki- he's kind of a jerk at times. We have him being no. funny and a little, little snarky. Um, and then Wanda will come in as the series goes on and sort of like give him what for. We have extra surprise characters. It's a lot of fun. Hope you all check it out. It is a, it's, a, it's a good, like, cooler weather running series to check out. Just in time for the premiere of Marvel Studios and Marvel's Women of Marvel is giving you a crash course in the one, the only Captain Marvel, a.k.a. Carol Danvers. This is actually the first in a series of three episodes celebrating Photon, Ms. Marvel, and Captain Marvel, a.k.a. The Marvels, uh, which I'm really excited about because... Ellie and Preeti, the two hosts of the show, are going to be talking about each of these characters. And this week, they're talking about why Carol is such an icon and about why and how she inspired a global legion, a legion of fans called the Carol Corps. Uh, They talked to writers Kelly Sue DeConnick and Nascenti and Gilly Siegel, plus an early member of the Carol Corps and Captain Marvel herself, Brie Larson. Woo! Um, I, I I know our intrepid uh, producer Isabel, who works on Women of Marvel, uh, did want us to mention that those um, the conversations with Brie are from a couple years ago. So you know, in terms of folks who are promoting things right now, um, this is a, a classic piece of content that we had that we found that we can talk about, we can use. It is wonderful. Ooh, y'all, Natasha and Clint are back at it like a bad habit in 2024. Uh, Well, I mean, by back at it, I mean they're starring in a brand new four-issue Black Widow and Hawkeye series by writer Stephanie Phillips, yay, and artist Paolo Villanelli beginning this March. The four-issue limited series will both dive into the duo's history of secrets and espionage while also playing off recent developments including 
Yes, Natasha Romanoff's recent bonding with the symbiote. If you're not reading Venom, you should. There you go. That's your tease. Um, but uh, there's a little bit more. When Clint gets accused of a rogue assassination attempt that puts the U.S. and Madripoor at odds, a symbiote-equipped Natasha Romanoff thinks nothing of coming to his aid. But, like, you know there's going to be some drama and Michigas all over that. For more details on this series celebrating Nat and Clint's 60th anniversaries and a look at Steven Segovia's explosive cover for the first issue, head over to Marvel.com. Our pals at Hasbro recently revealed a new Spider-Man retro wave of figures that mixes old school and new stuff and some really great packaging and sculpts. I know you love it, Ryan. I do, I do. Darker wave of characters. Yeah, this is my jam. It's like you get some some cool uh, darker characters. We got Last Stand Spider Man, which is um, an alternate universe Peter Parker that showed up during the J. Michael Straczynski and John Romita Jr. run from twenty odd years ago. Uh, You can see that character in the Spider Verse, Uh, Scarlet Spider, just looking incredible, inspired by the comics. It looks so good. Jack O' Lantern, just. What a perfect design of a dude. I was about to say, it's Jack-O-Lantern. I mean, he's got like a little flying disc and a pumpkin head that's on fire. Perfection. 10 out of 10. No notes. Uh, Spider-Shot, who is an assassin Spider-Man seen in Spider-Verse, who first appeared in What If Spider-Man vs. Wolverine from 2008. I was so happy to see this. I was like, they are going for it. Oh, come on. Y'all can say what you want. There's never been a cooler more badass, sly, slick villain ever. And to have him in his suit, to have the classic version of Tombstone, it's so pretty. Yeah, it looks so good. There was a Marvel Legends Tombstone from a couple years ago, and he's got the deep V with, like, the big collar. And I love that version of Tombstone. In the suit, oh, so good. Look at it. He just looks vicious. Oh, he is. He is. Um, and then we've been talking about this character here on the show at Marvel for years. It is Hollow's Eve, truly one of my favorite new character designs, powers, characters of recent Spidey comics, let alone Marvel. Um, it's Ed McGinnis did the original design for this. I want to shout out Ed, who created helped create this character with Zeb Wells in the comics. But man, they brought this design to life so perfectly. Pre-orders went up this week, so go to HasbroPulse.com or other places where you get your figures, uh, all your toys, all your goodies. This is uh, this wave is going to be releasing in 2024. I'm very excited about this next announcement because it's two of our favorites. It's two of our favorites. Yo, real talk. We, we we're gonna we're talking about Peter Parker and Mary Jane Watson being the ultimate couple, married with children in Ultimate Spider-Man number one. This to me is. Love and marriage. It's an institute. We can't disparage. We're too old. Um, (laughs) I I love it. It feels like, uh, like, hey, you you all wanted this? Well, let's see what happens when you wanted this. And we get this in in a cool way. So we're getting Ultimate Spider-Man number one in January. You can pre-order at your local comic shop today. But if you want to see some some preview stuff for the series, visit marvel.com. Something we mentioned a little bit earlier in the show, Marvel Studios Loki Season 2, Episode 5 released this week. I feel like I can't talk about this series at all because every episode has, like, wild stuff. But the end of Episode 4, people were like, wait, what is even going on? And more of that continues this week. Um, mm, I I can't say anything more. Don't do it. Don't ruin it for them. You know what we we won't ruin for them? We can recommend what they can do 
while they are um, peeking up their heart off the floor from watching Loki. Um, we got some new comics this week, buddy. Yeah, new comics. Some really good week. Um, Spider-Boy number one, which yes. we've been hyping up. The character so created by Dan and Umberto Ramos. Uh, so the first issue written by Dan. Oh, so these are our picks of the week. First issue, obviously, Spider-Boy number one, uh, written by Dan Slott, art by Paco Medina and Eric Arseniega in the main story, which is great. It introduces uh, a new villain with a bowling ball for a head and another character that is a mashup of two animals. Dan is clearly having the time of his flipping life Dan is on this Dan book. is Danning. Like, Dan is Danning. So, I also so want to give a shout-out to this book uh, because one of our previous producers from the audio department mm. is an assistant editor on the book. They... Yeah. Um, Mr. Daniels on the book, as well as Women of Marvel host Ellie Pyle, yeah. is editor on the book. So I just, I just want to like shout out all of the dopeness that comes with this, but also, yeah, Marvel's such a big family, and our people are like doing dope things. Like that's right. This, yeah. Also, um, Paco Medina like oh, did the damn thing. crushing it. I did want to note though. Uh, there might be an issue if you write by your print issue and you are looking for your digital comics code and your copy and you need some help, please visit marvel.com slash redeem help this week. They'll help you out if you have any problems there. Uh, now, I definitely need to shout out also, uh, Ryan and I sometimes have diverse picks on books. Uh, I do want to shout out, Ryan is absolutely correct uh, with, this next book, which is Ultimate Universe number one. I feel like this was not, like, there wasn't, was there a choice here? Like, I feel like we have been waiting for this for so long, but also, whew. Yeah, this is Ultimate, written by Jonathan Hickman, art by Stefano Caselli. It's the bridge between Ultimate Invasion and the three new Ultimate books coming next, you know, next year. Ultimate Spider-Man, Ultimate Black Panther, Ultimate X-Men. So, this introduces Thor and Sif and big mysteries and, and really like where everything is going. So get excited for that. Oh, and a little preview of Ultimate X-Men by Peach Momoko. Mm-hmm. Oh, Angelique, yep. did you know that if you redeem your digital code for Ultimate Universe number one, you get both a regular version and an Infinity Comics version of Ultimate Universe number one? Uh, Yes, and thank you. Uh, I understand that um, you felt like the next book was great, but I feel like um, I'm going to have to take Jeff, the land shark, out of the honorable mentions and put Jeff where Jeff belongs because it's not just Jeff, it's Jeff the Jeffverse, number one. And I get it's an adaptation from the Infinity Comics, but it's Jeff. Hundred percent. She it's says while her voice is cracking over the mm. cuteness. And I mean, honestly, also there's a huge flurkin on the cover that you, yeah. you gotta go pick that up and have that in your life. Look, to be fair, it's Jeff, the Jeff first one, is perfection. It would be one of my picks if it wasn't already the Infinity Comics. But it's a adapt those if you are somehow not on Marvel Unlimited. Pick this up, or maybe if you are, I, it's a book that I can read with my my kiddo, and she loves it too. So, that's but I great. also do shout out this next one is a doozy of a pick. Yeah, White Widow number one, uh, a blast. You've got Yelena, a story just 
you know, all about her and what she's getting into. It is really funny. It is action-packed. It's got some wonderful art. It's written by Sarah Gailey, art by Alessandro Miracolo. And, yeah, it's I, – I wasn't sure what to expect from it, and it was not anything I would have – anticipated out of this book and i was like i need more issues of it right now if you have any interest in the character please jump on white widow it's a really really fun book so lots of great comics find them on uh, your local comic shop your marvel app marvel unlimited all those places enjoy them but coming up we are joined by multi-award-winning composer natalie holt to chat about marvel studios loki season two and all the delightful music we'll be back right after this listening to this week in marvel i'm anjali grochet i'm ryan panagos and uh it was a true ding ding delight to have natalie on the show to talk about all the music in the series we get into a little bit of spoiler chat in this maybe um so if you if you've not at least watched through four episode four of season two of marvel studios loki so if you don't want to be spoiled or at least get some tangential spoilers you know Pause it, watch the series, come back. Yeah, because it's available right now, streaming on Disney+. Plus. All right, let's hear from Natalie Holt right now. All right, it is time to talk the music of Marvel Studios' Loki, and I am so delighted to be joined by Natalie Holt, composer of this season. Hello, Natalie. Hi. <laughs> Uh, very excited. We were talking before uh, we started recording um, uh, about the series and, and the episodes and the music and the very favorite scenes, which I don't think we can fully talk about all of those here, but we might get into some light spoiler territory. So for anybody listening, um, watch the dang show. It's so good. It's on <laughs> Disney+. Plus. You know this. You're listening to the show. Before we get into all of that, Natalie, I want to know what is your Marvel origin story? Were you a fan? Did you did you read comics? Did you get into it because of the movies? Did you just come into Loki being like, who are all these people? What is your origin story in terms of like understanding and being a fan of, of Marvel? Oh, origin story. Interesting. So I guess I was I was like a big Star Wars fan primarily because I, I watched that with my dad when I was like five. So I, I with the original ones, because I'm that old. Um I'm, and then so from Star Wars, uh, I was interested in like comic books, but more like Japanese Ghost in the Shell yes. and Akira. I was yes. really into that um, as a teenager. And then I just came to Marvel later on. And honestly, like Thor and Loki were my favorite characters. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was so cool when I when I kind of got the call from my agent of like an untitled Marvel series. Um, and then as the process went on, I realized which character it was. And I was just like super excited for it. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, your career a bit, you know, making the path to, you know, being a composer and film and television and, and all the projects you've done leading up to here, but were, you were a performer beforehand. What What is there, your career path into getting to, you know, that, that, that call for the untitled Marvel project? <laughs> uh, so I was a violinist um, growing up. I always composed as well, um, but I just didn't like put it together. And I was always interested in film music, but I didn't really think it was a job that I could do. 
and it was sort of pre <laughs> pre internet so you couldn't kind of google like how do i do this it was just all very mysterious to me so i was like okay everyone like being a violinist seems a bit cl- like clear of how i can use music to to like earn a living so i just kind of pursued the violin and went to music college and then when i was there i did um a course in film composing and then my lecturer told me about um the National Film and Television School in the UK. So I applied to do a master's there in film composing. And I did two years there, just composing, working on films. Like you get to move around as well. So I did some editing and I like wrote some short films and things and acted and just got totally into the whole process and then left and could not get a gig. (laughs) So, you know, it's hard. Um, And I think... You know, if you don't have connections into the industry, it's so difficult to get that break. Like, you know, I don't have any relatives. I can be like, hey, uncle, you know, whoever, <laughs> Spielberg, <laughs> give me a job. <laughs> None of that. My mom's a teacher and my dad was a engineer in a power station. So, um, yeah, I just went back to playing and teaching to kind of earn a living and then um, ended up kind of finding it later and like I met this composer called Martin Phipps who I assisted for a while he did the crown um he's an amazing composer just so lovely and Wallander which is a sort of Swedish noir with noir even (laughs) with Kenneth Branagh um so I scored the final season of that that was kind of my first solo gig um was Wallander and then yeah I just kind of been working as a composer on my own in my own right for a few years and yeah then that that call came through and here I am (laughs) so that call comes through what is that process what is that process like is it just like all right we want we like your music come do this thing or is it come meet us we're going to show you what we're thinking and want to hear your thoughts how how does that sort of world work so um that call came through in the middle of the pandemic so it was all like Zoom, <laughs> Zoom calls, <laughs> meeting uh, the team and filming had been halted. So they were like, well, I guess we've, they did it two weeks, I think. They had, hadn't filmed much, but they thought, well, while, while we're on this hiatus, we'll find a composer and get started on some themes. Um, so I met the team and Kate Heron and I, the director of season one, just really hit it off. Like, um with a lot of the same, like, I just had this weird thing where I read the script and I had the image of um, the film Clockwork Orange um, on the Anthony Burgess novel, you know, the Kubrick movie. I just had a lot of that kind of 70s aesthetic in my head when I was reading it. And I sort of said, I feel like Loki's like the, he's the anti-hero. He's sort of like Alex from Clockwork Orange and that Wendy Carlos score, like that sort of like, Beethoven but on a synth and I sort of mentioned all this stuff in the meeting I hadn't seen the production design at that point but Kate just said that was like instant for me that you understood it because that was what all of our references were so I think just yeah that response and then I I had to do a pitch um I had to score the scene when um, Mobius and Loki are in the TVA for the first time just and and Loki kind of watches his life back and uh, so, yeah, I had to score that and <laughs> I went to town on it, got 
my friend Charlie, who's a theremin player. Um, and yeah, that's I think that's what landed me the job. <laughs> what you did in your pitch, did that make it into the first season? Yeah, it did. So I just had this idea for the theme for Loki as I was kind of walking down the road. I just heard it in my head, um, like these big grand chords and, and like this, the it, yeah, it just kind of came into my head and then I put that into the into the pitch that I did. And I was like, this is my idea for his theme and, and it stuck. <laughs> so, yeah. That's good. That's, that, that's the way it should be. It's really good. But then, so between seasons of Loki, I assume, you also get to work on Obi-Wan Kenobi, which, <laughs> you know, based on what you talk about, like that must have been a blast. Yeah. I mean, that was crazy. And I had to kind of um, fly over to L.A. because things, you know, Loki, I basically just did in my studio, like recorded the whole thing remotely because of COVID um, restrictions. And then by the time um, Obi-Wan came around, they were like, could you fly over? So I was kind of going back and forth and recording at Fox (laughs) Um, and like going over and meeting John Williams, mad stuff that... You know, it it was just the opposite because I think with Loki um, season one, I sort of bet I was like, I'm just not going to think that this is Marvel and millions of people are going to see this. I'm just going to do what I think is right for myself. And like I'd have weekly meetings with Kate, but it just felt very personal and small and, you know, everything was quite contained and then yeah Obi-Wan I really felt like the enormity of it because it was like flying back and forth and sort of seeing how it all worked and going into the edit and meeting Ewan McGregor and everything it was just felt a lot more of the sort of yeah enormity of the the weight of the franchise and the sort of power of the project (laughs) yeah Uh, I imagine though that that's a, a all it seems like all all told very different process are there things that you you experienced there in that that you were able to then sort of bring into the way you approached season two for Loki definitely I mean I've never um actually well apart from Wallander but that was (laughs) I just came on the end so I didn't sort of I hadn't started composing season one it was like I just came in as a composer later on down the line after someone else had started off but this is the first show that I'm coming back into season two um, with all those themes and, and the kind of the richness of the score that we've created then informed what we were doing in season two. But um, I felt like it was it was a jumping off point because everyone wanted to kind of push it and do something else. They didn't just want to reuse all the music that I'd done in season one. So um and, you know, we had different directors, Justin and Aaron and Kazra, and um, they all they all loved the score. So they wanted that we already had, but they were like, how can we expand this? And, you know, what can we do? So that was kind of a fun mission, but like very comforting to know that everyone was already on board. So it was, yeah, it was like an open goal just to keep exploring. Yeah, which I think feels... It feels like that is that's the vibe of of this season. It's like, all right, we have all this really amazing stuff established. 
now let's just expand. Let's blow it up. Let's let's do weirder, somehow weirder, somehow cooler in all kinds of ways, which is really fun. Can you walk us through a little bit about the sort of the process for for this? You know, you say you, basically you, you kind of have a lot of foundational stuff from season one. But then are you then sitting down discussing characters? Are you discussing arcs, perspectives, location? Like how does that sort of inform where you're going to take these new directions? Um, so, yeah, I, I think, I mean, God, it was amazing that um, because I was, you know, you're the composer and I had, what, like a year and a half or whatever of like chatting with Kevin and they were sending me the scripts from, you know, way earlier than the previous series. And then um, they kind of said, oh, there's this scene where there's like a band playing in um, in the Chicago World Fair. <laughs> and like, we were just wondering if you fancied like writing something for it. And I was like, yeah, I could write something for it. Maybe I could be in the scene as well. Like that would be so fun because they were filming in Pinewood. And so... Um, I was on set <laughs> with yes. doing like a, a kind of pub band umpa version of the Loki theme. Um, and they like dressed me in this mad costume and I was <laughs> playing the accordion. So I'm, and then they were kind of like, Oh, would you mind just like being in a scene where you're like listening to timely, um, like revealing his loom. So I did a bit of extra acting. <laughs> <laughs> horrific my acting is horrific <laughs> but that is but that's like something different that you can that you can show your daughter and you can show people yeah. and be like this is the maddest thing i've ever done but it's so cool <laughs> i i'm so happy for you for that that's and the theremin that's... player charlie um also did it as well charlie draper so the two of us were like we are the worst extra actors here. Like, cause you know, if you're just listening to someone talking in a scene, it's like, what do you do with your face? And then you start thinking like, how should I, if I was listening, how would I stand? And then you start just feeling really uncomfortable. Where <laughs> do my you, hands go? Where do where, I, what? what do I do? Oh, I like look surprised. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm looking too surprised. Hold on. Maybe I'll, and, and then uh, they do take after take. It just gives you like enormous respect for actors. I will say yes. that. Yeah, hundred <laughs> um, percent. So you're on set. You're you're just blowing people's minds uh, in this in the scene at the World's Fair. Um, but you know you you still have to, I imagine, at that point, develop a lot of the music. And you said you've read the scripts. How much does your thinking about the season, about the score, about characters, about arcs, develop from? You know, when you're reading a script to when you're starting to see footage to when, you know, maybe you're in that those like final stages. Oh, that, yeah, that's interesting. So, so, yeah, when I when I was on set, um, I did talk to Tom quite a lot because you're kind of intersecting with the actors who are kind of doing their thing. You know, they've been on that journey of finding the, that how they're going to play it. Like so Tom had been on this journey to explore Loki in season two and he just he was like I've just got so many thoughts I don't and he was like I don't want to tread on your toes but like if you you know I'd love to just share this T.S. Eliot poem the four quartets um and he gave me a copy of the book which I thought was really sweet and it was just nice to to kind of chat to the actors and and Owen was there as well and just 
yeah, get get a feel for how they'd sort of found the depths that the characters are feeling in season two and then infuse some of that into the music. And I think it, it is a darker journey and it's sort of, um, yeah, it, it felt like a journey from season one where and the score kind of twists and turns and follows that as well. Um, and And like I had this idea for... OB I had I was like oh I think he needs a theme and I saw some footage of of his of his performance um and I did this little theme for him which we ended up using um just away from the footage but just yeah so that was um in there and then I kind of came up with an idea for for the finale of episode 6 um again which is what I did in season one so I kind of knew like this is where it's going and Mm -hmm. like I I knew that I wanted to kind of use this Icelandic well Norse choir and because it felt like I'd used those Nordic instruments already for like Loki's heritage with his relationship with his mother I'd used the Hardanger fiddle the nickel harper these kind of traditional Norse instruments to connect him back with his heritage. So I started like looking at poetry and and thinking about like the power of the voice. And I just started using a lot of choir textures and, and whispering. So it was kind of like calling Loki to his destiny, um, which sort of pays off, but is used all the way through. Like you can hear them whispering in the um recap music and it's I don't know if you picked up on that kind of the vocal the vocals going on in there did that stand uh, out a, to you a little bit but I, I can picture exactly what you're talking about and those those scenes and those vibes which we will not spoil for you dear listeners but it just seems like you're able to have fun and bring in a lot of unique tones for the show yeah well certainly like I recorded it was really weird. I, I went for to the pub with my friend Peke from film school, who's just been doing all the animations for Bjork on her recent tour. So she's been working in Iceland. And um, she had this friend, Raghilda, who was from Iceland, who was with her. And I just sort of met her that night. And I was saying, oh, I'm trying to record these Nordic voices. And apparently, like, oh, Icelandic is more the most similar language to it and she was saying she had a friend who like understands this sort of ancient Icelandic text and I was like oh could you put me in touch because and then I ended up they knew some singers and then they knew they knew someone in Sigur Ross in the, who had a studio in a sort of old disused swimming pool in out in the middle of nowhere in Iceland so we recorded there with with a quartet um, and they did a lot of the sort of whispering voices. But this is just one of these, you know, fun musical journeys that just <laughs> kind of, you know, that you're allowed to go on on this project. Yeah. I didn't expect to to have Sigaros uh, have a um, an MCU connection, but I am delighted by that. <laughs> that is wonderful. Um, there's uh, also, uh, obviously, there's a lot of, different periods and different locations in here. You mentioned, you know, Chicago, the World's Fair. We're in uh, the 80s and sort of, I, th- I feel like, the Midwest with Sylvie and her place. Does How does that factor into the way you're, you're thinking about things? Are you able to then have, you know, play into some of those locations or you, you really want to stick 
you know, mostly to the soundscape that is that is more of that sci-fi vibe that you've been talking about? Um, so, yeah, there was kind of like a loom destruction and this whispering vocal sound, which which was kind of like the the disintegration of the TVA and the burden of Loki's purpose, I, I guess, that he's feeling all the way through and his time slipping and the pain that he's in. So there's that kind of dark side of the score, which was more kind of um, synthy and electronic. Um, and then it was it was fun to play around with, like episode two in the Zaniac premiere. Um, I did a like funk version of the Loki theme, um, and, and my friend Anthony Rosamundo did all the guitars, and um, he's a a song singer songwriter. So. Yeah, we just kind of had a day in the studio and recorded some drums and just messed around with some 70s. What would Loki sound like if it was the funk version? So that was fun <laughs> to do that. And then episode three was, um, it starts with an octet, just doing this really spare, classical, Beethoven version of the Loki theme. And I just... It was it was fun. I feel like we we did that a bit in season one of like playing around with the time periods and using the theme in different ways. But I feel like I was allowed to do even more of that in season two. Yeah, um, you know, thinking about also you're playing around and, and doing different versions of the themes. I think it's also fun the after the first season, fans sort of getting excited, loving the music from the series, creating their own remixes and versions and, and and all that stuff and sharing it on the internet. What is it like for you to start to hear these things that you're creating that are based on these characters that you love and then you start to see how that is affecting all these other people in unique ways? Honestly, it's just like the best, you know, it, to, to know that you've created something that resonates with people and that they they hear that music and it makes them think of that character. Like that's, I'm like, I can retire now. <laughs> you know, job done. Like that's, that's amazing. I just feel um, like seeing people kind of, they played it at um, like brass band universities, have played it before a football match and stuff. And I'm just... Yeah, I'm totally blown away whenever I see anything like that. It's it's really special to feel that something you've created has had an impact with with people and meant something to people. And you know, meeting Tom Hiddleston and he was saying like how he listens to the music to kind of get himself into character. It's like honestly, all of those things. It's like that's why I do my job. It's you know to to create a theme and tell a story and be part of the storytelling process in a meaningful way so yeah that's it's amazing um as is the score and the season two of marvel studios loki thank you for this natalie i am i'm i'm very much looking forward to uh, wrapping up the season and thinking about what you've told us and so hopefully everybody listening here does that as well as they get into the back part of this season oh thank you That was Marvel Studios' Loki composer, Natalie Holt. Such a good conversation. Uh, You can catch Loki Season 2 every Thursday, only 
on Disney+. Plus. Uh, we're going to get into our community section, aka This Week in Messages. But before we get into that, I want to shout out that we had an amazing costume contest at the Marvel offices in New York City for Halloween this week. We also had a pumpkin carving contest. Um, but just for like our own funsies, me and Angelique, if you, listener, and, and or your fam, your friends, dressed up as Marvel characters for Halloween, we just want to see pics. We want to share the love with us. Share the fun. We love to see it. Um, so before we get to last week's question of the week, we want to talk about this week's question of the week because next week is the world premiere of the one, the only Marvel Studios, the Marvels. We want to know who or what you are most excited to see in the Marvels. Ryan, I don't... How do I pick just one? Everybody? All of it? Space? <laughs> I'm excited for everyone to experience this, and I'm excited to take, I think we're going to take Catherine to see it in the theater as our first, like, big people movie uh, in a theater that isn't singing in the rain. Um, so, yeah, it's very exciting. A classic. Uh, it is. So, we want to hear from you. What, Who or what are you most excited to see in Marvel Studios The Marvels? You can tweet your answers using hashtag ThisWeekInMarvel, email them to twimpodcast at marvel.com, or send a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash this week in Marvel, please make sure to tell us it is okay to read Twim on the show so we may read it on the show. Which we're about to do right now because last week's question of the week was, what is your favorite score within the Marvel Cinematic Universe? And y'all had answers. Mm-hmm. Chandler at Chandler Polling tweeted, hi, this week in Marvel. I love your question this week. My favorite MCU film score has to be Christoph Beck's score to Marvel Studios' WandaVision. What he accomplished in the queue that's over the end credits is phenomenal. Honorable mention, Mark Shaman's Rogers the Musical in Marvel Studios' Hawkeye. Uh, thank you, Chandler. So good. So good. Lots of great choices. Bayville Siren at Keenan Lance underscore. The Marvel Studios' Black Widow score has some of my favorite music across the MCU. The first bite is the deepest, and Yelena Belova always helped push me through my workouts. Ooh. Mm -hmm. All right. Check this out. Love it, Bayville Siren. Love it. Joe Maximoff at JoeMark underscore Magbanua tweeted, Definitely Scarlet Witch's dreamwalking scene from Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Ooh. 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 Heck yeah. Uh, that's a little Danny Elfman goodness for us. I got a little like shiver down my spine right? even thinking about mm. it. This, unfortunately, is the end of our show this week. Oh, no. This episode of This Week in Marvel is produced by Jasmine Estrada, Isabel Robertson, Ryan Panagos, and Angelique Roche. Our senior manager, audio production and development, is Brad Barton. Emily Godfrey is our production manager. Special thanks to Tombstone and his deep V. 1010, <laughs> no notes. I'm Ryan. I'm Angelique. This is Marvel. Your universe. Ha, 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 ha.